Cosmere can be a confusing place. From Allomancy to Surge Binding, there's a lot to look out for. We're your hosts and escorts to the realms. I'm Griff. And I'm Alex. And, and this, this is, is the Silverlight Silver Guide to the Cosmere. Alright, so we're back. We're back. It's the first week of 2023. Yes. This episode is going out tonight. Oh, okay. Yes. All right, you, so you're just going to upload it. Just yes. Straight off. Cool. So don't say anything embarrassing. I won't. So this first five minutes is going to be spoiler free. Yeah, it may be less than five minutes, but we will clearly tell you when we start using spoilers. Yes. We will we will start with the name of the book and then devolve very quickly into to... things you don't want to hear if you haven't read the book. Or if you have not read or been keeping up with the rest of the uh, Cosmere series. That's right. Uh, so it it ap- after that point, it's on you. It's not on us. So now, now when we're rating it, yeah, just out of curiosity, because we, we really have not rated a book before in we, any like we we've talked about whether or not we've liked the book, but we've not rated one. We did with the Lost Metal. Okay, we did out of ten. We did okay. So we're doing out of ten system. Okay, yes, out of ten. Okay, um, this is the system. Uh, Brando Sando and Dan Wells use a system out of ten to rate TV shows and stuff. Okay, um, all right. So it's keeping with the the uh, Cosmere meta, yeah, meta system. Um, and I used to watch um, a really slimy guy called Dave Portnoy um, rate pizza. Okay, um, on YouTube, and uh, his thing was like you can you never give it a solid round number. You don't give it a nine or an eight. You give it like an eight point one or two point nine, nine, and like anything above a seven is like good pizza. And if it's above a nine, you like drive hours to get there. So, um, kind of similar. What I'm thinking for myself, where anything like above a six is like, you should probably read this. Yeah, I mean, well, and I think it depends on what we're talking about because like. There are some aspects of the Dresden Files I probably wouldn't rate all that high, but True. they're also fun books. Like I'm, it, it's yes. it's what I think it's important what you're looking to get out of the book. That's true. That's true. So and and I have thought about what I'm going to say for this bit. So for Secret Project um, One, what 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 would you give it rating wise out of a ten? I mean, if we're going with decimal systems, decimal yeah, I'd probably give it an eight point three. An 8.3? Yes. Okay, so um, as we have only done this before for the Lost Metal, and we didn't really specify what that means to you. This is fair. This is fair. I, I suppose I I naturally kind of went with the uh, school system thing, okay. where, like, you know, average is 70. American school system. Yeah, American school system, yes. Let me specify that. That's true. Um, you know, average is, is 70 and then 80 is, is a B and then 90 and above is an A. Sure. So, so yeah, I, I'd probably give this a, a high B. So like a B plus if okay. we were using a letter grade. Sure. Okay. Um, I would also give it around like an 8.5. Um, but my my scale uh, is more the UK system where fifty percent is much closer to passing is passing. Okay. Uh, so so a five would be 
if you'd like to read this on an airplane, you're probably in for a good time. Yeah, that's fair. A six would be like, I would maybe suggest somebody go out of their way to grab this book if they love this genre. A seven is, even if you don't really like the genre, you should probably read this book. I will I will put it like this. We're just going with the number scale. Sure. Ten is perfect book. Sure. I like like for me. Perfect yes. book for perfect me. Book like it hits every single note I could possibly want a book to hit. Yes. Probably very unlikely to ever actually encounter a ten in my lifetime. Right. Nine is wholeheartedly endorse. Yep. I would recommend it to pretty much anyone I know, so long as they are even vaguely interested in the genre that it sits in. Yep. Eight is, I enjoyed it. I definitely think it's good. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to everybody. Right. But I would recommend it to anybody that is into the genre that it sits in. Okay. As long as they are solidly into it. Yeah. Uh, 70 would be, I think it was good for the genre. I liked it. I probably wouldn't recommend it to anybody who wasn't deep into, into the genre it, it sat in. Um. 60 would be, it was good, I enjoyed it, I probably won't ever pick it up again. Sure. It was good enough for a one-time read. Yeah. But. And like, and I'm feeling anything below a five is just kind of like, why bring this up? Yeah, five is like, eh, it was, it's all right, it didn't even really hit my fancy, it might hit somebody who was more into whatever story it was harder, but. And then four would be, oh, there were actually serious problems. Like, there were some serious problems with this book. One would be almost unreadable. Yes. So there are definitely some some uh, self-published things I have heard of that could rate a one. I have read a series that was around a four or a five. Okay. And thank God I can't remember what series it was. Fair. Um, so, okay. So, yeah. Um, regarding where rating ratings-wise for me, since, and, and maybe in an episode soon, we'll just kind of like go through the Cosmere and, and rate them just number-wise so we and maybe write them down so that we have a scale. That would work, uh, yeah. To me, Secret Project 1... If you could have a clear percentage that was serious and a clear percentage of the book that was whimsical. Right. And then you said that this book is, if you take my rating of it at like an 8.5-ish. Right. Which is real good. If you took those percentages and flipped them, that is where I would put the Emperor's Soul. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Right. Yeah, yeah, I can see the comparison there. So, to me, Secret Project 1 is one of my favorite Cosmere books. Okay. Um, I think he does what he aimed to do really, really well. I and will agree with you. Yeah. I will say, versus Emperor's Soul, I think that this is a very good indication of what Brandon Sanderson said during the uh, Dragonsteel convention. Con. Yeah, Dragonsteel Con. 2022. About, yeah, 2022, about gloves off for 
like uh, spoilers or, or uh, co- mixing in yeah or larger cosmere connections absolutely because i think emperor soul you could honestly hand to somebody and they yes. could read it and, and require no it. other context that is correct and so you also flip that percentage right uh because ultimately still spoiler free because we haven't clearly said not spoil or, right. right we haven't clearly uh, said what it is it is very connected yes and it is it's a it's bittersweet to me that i can't just recommend it off the shelf yes because you really do need to have that deeper understanding you don't even need to do the kind of research we've done but you do need at least to be aware of yeah the deeper connections in the cosmere i will say yes no i'll i'll save that for the initial bit of the spoiler fair um yes yeah but yeah so i think at 8.3 I think it's doing a made point three for the rating. I mean, I would wholeheartedly endorse this to any Cosmere fan. Yes. Um, although, of course, I have put it into my own personal list, my own right. reading order for first-time readers, because I do have a reading order for, like, if you're getting into the Cosmere, this is the order I pre- personally think you should read them in. Sure. Um, and I have the short stories sorted in there as well, so. Gotcha. All right, I think it's I think it's about time to talk spoilers. Yes, so, I believe I believe from this point forward, if you do not want to be spoiled on Secret Project One, please turn off this the episode now. Right, uh, join us next time when we probably talk about something that's not Secret Project One. Yes, probably, probably. Um, so for those of that of you that have continued with us. Um, racking my brain just then for a moment, you really only need to have read Elantris, Warbreaker, right, and Mistborn Arrow One in its entirety, including no Mistborn Two and Mistborn Two. Yeah, you need to have read okay. Mistborn Two. All the Mistborns. Um, yes. Yeah. So Elantris, Warbreaker, and both Mistborn Arrows. Yes, including Secret History. Um, so, I didn't catch any references to Stormlight Archive. No. No, No, I didn't catch any explicit references to Stormlight. Um, and then... Yeah. So, I mean, you honestly have to have read a majority of the Cosmere to understand all the references. Half of the written Cosmere. Right. Because the Stormlight takes up the other half. Right, exactly. But, like... Series wise, book not length, but book wise, yes, that's right. what seven, you, eight, nine books. You're only missing out on you're only missing out White on Stormlight Sand. Archives, White oh, Sand. and White Sand, and uh, some of the short stories. Short stories. Uh, although, I guess it may be easier to understand when they just throw out the term light weaving if you've read Stormlight Archive. Yeah, that's fair. That's true, actually. They do use the term lightly. They do, although we do also know that that being... Is that one of the surges? I can't remember. It is. Um, yes, and it is one of the present. surges. However, I know for a fact that... Um, I don't remember if it's been in further research or somewhere in the books explicitly, but it has been referenced that light weaving is something that other 
investitures yes can touch on like they, which they is can... i mean and we <clears throat> see that in this book right when an elantrian does light reading exactly um, um and so and well okay so so let's start from the beginning yes indeed the book is actually called tress of the emerald sea yes that is the title of secret project number one and it is a wonderful title it is a wonderful title um the book is Hoyd telling a story. Yes. Which was also wonderful. Yes, it was. I think um, that was an amazing choice. Did you listen to the author's notes at the end? I did. About him wanting to re- write Hoyd's backstory and right. so wanting to get into the habit of writing yes. Hoyd. And uh, he also mentioned he, he wanted to make something that was whimsical, not necessarily a fairy tale, but ultimately this is a Cosmere fairy tale. Yeah, it is. And it absolutely it, it is. is brilliant in the way that uh, what's that uh, is it Neil Gaiman book the, the stop star oh um Stardust Stardust yes um, that one is it has similar vibes to me because it's, yeah. just, it's just very whimsical I will say however though that and I'm usually not one to compare authors I will say that I actually think that Brandon Sanderson accomplished it a little bit better than Neil Gaiman did. Oh, yes. Sure. Uh, personally. That's but just me. Ultimately. But uh, yeah, ultimately fairy tale. it is definitely... You are definitely going to get your happily ever after. Yes. With the end of... Of... Trust of the Emerald Sea. Yes. Um, I think... Him not having... And again, he explains it in the notes at the end. Not having the fan, um, wor- like the worry of making sure the fans are happy, making sure the deadlines are met, um, probably did something magical for this book, and yes. probably will will continue for the other secret projects. I agree. I agree. Um, I am super happy that we were able to get this little bit in that wasn't constrained by normal book writing indeed necessities so my my first so tress of the emerald sea um don't necessarily need to go into the plot uh where where are you putting it on your recommendation of reading uh i am putting it after Mistborn era two okay so really it's it but but i am putting it before sixth of the, the dusk i saw sure. sixth of the dusk at the end sure um, however, I feel like there is enough in Mistborn Era, or there is a reference in Mistborn Era to There is also a that... reference to AVR. I mean, he specifically uses the word AVR. What are the AVR? The AVR are the, the parrots that give the psychic... Oh, yeah, parrots. Um, so, which could oops. means it could sit after it. Um, I definitely think that my initial idea of it being after Warbreaker but before Stormlight was definitely wrong. So very, very wrong. Oh, time-wise? Yeah, time-wise. Definitely time-wise. I tend to arrange my book reading order after Mistborn Era 1 Mm -hmm. because that is what I recommend people start with. Right. I tend to sort reading order into reference connections um, for people who might want to pick up on that. Yeah. Like, I actually take um, uh, Shadows for Silence and the Forest of Hell, and I stick it in between 
Um, uh, what's it? Shadows of Self and um, Bands of Mourning. Okay. Because in Bands of Mourning, there's the explicit reference right. to the Haunted Man. And the Haunted Man is, like, you get actually way more on the Haunted Man in The Lost, Lost Metal, Metal, actually. But, despite that, the first reference you get to the Haunted Man is in Bands of Mourning, and it is it is very explicitly tied to Threnody. Yes. And so I stick that story in there so that if people are paying attention, they will pick up on the Threnody connection with the articles. Yeah. So, ultimately, Tress of the Emerald Sea should be the last novel read. Right. Yep. Agreed. Now, I will say that um, it does... One of the reasons that I rate it so highly, and I, I, I know this is personal bias, but I mean, then again, so is every like scaling, and there's no objective scale on that, is the connections. Because it does reveal some very interesting aspects of the Cosmere. Yes. Um, on a multitude of scales. It gives me a very interesting look at how the Aetherbound work. Uh, yeah, at least in an obtuse way, if not... Well, like, if we, take, if we take the pink spores, uh-huh. the, the rosite, the rosite yeah. spores... Uh, now, now we know that in did they actually give the the name of the planet in Trust of the Emerald Sea? They do. Do you remember what it is? Lumar. Lumar. That's right. Thank you. You're welcome. We know that the aether oriented powers on Lumar are much less constrained. Yeah. Than the aether bound typically are. Right. So I am aware that there is, but I still think that the basic premise of the abilities are the same. Should be. So I feel like if you have a, a an aether bound that is verdant, verdant. That's, That's correct. The, yeah, verdant. Then I think that you will see somebody who is very much like um, Crow in the book. Okay. Where they can control plant-like entities, and I think that if you had somebody who was um, Sapphire, Zephyr, Zephyr, yeah, Zephyr, um, Aetherbound, somebody who can control the winds or produce winds. Produce winds. Um, I feel like I feel like if if somebody's Aetherbound, they're probably producing it from the source. Probably, yeah. Via so water. I feel like you'd be very much like a potentially a, a almost like an airbender. Yes. Um, and then I think that uh, if anybody is crimson uh, bound, aether bound, spikes of some sort of glass type of material, or Porcupines. not necessarily restricted to spikes. I don't know. Um, Spiky boys. Yeah. So. Now, the interesting thing is whether or not there is a Midnight Aetherbound because right. of the way that the Midnight Spores work. Only time will tell. Yes. But it was nice to see that there was... So we have... Oh, I suppose we should probably go over the general premise of the book. Or not 
the premise of the book, but Lumar, the premise of Lumar. Okay. Because what we have is the reason that we're referring to the Aetherbound uh, things is that there are 12, 12. 12 moons. 12 moons. Each one dropping a shower of spores onto the planet below that make up various seas of their respective colors. So the right. verdant is the, the verdant uh, moon is the one referred to the, as the emerald sea because verdant is green. Um, and each of the spores has a different consequence when it comes into contact with water. Um, and so I feel like on that front and, and the abilities of the spores, and it, it is referred to later in the books that each of the moons has a sort of wild aether on it. Yeah. That um, somehow gets water transported to it via the spores. Sort of. Which there were a lot of questions raised that, I mean, we may dive into the 17th shard wiki and, and people have answered questions. Or, right, right. Um, and I'm sure the next, uh, really the next signing, um, not signing, live stream Brandon Sanderson does that's a spoiler stream. That will give us probably quite a lot of answers. Probably, uh, yeah. But also a lot of raffos because other than um, the one character we saw in the Lost Metal, this is the first time we've seen Aether, and he probably hasn't completely fleshed it out. Right. Um, but So what makes these, um, going back to the world, what makes those seas, though, is something is blowing air up through them. Yes. Causing fluidization. Yes, and so the spores themselves act as a liquid so long as that air is being passed up through them. Right. Um, which occasionally it stops for some reason, which was never fully explained, which was nice. Uh, um, and so ships are stuck in place yeah. until that fluidization starts again. Which was fascinating. It was fascinating. And I something makes me wonder whether or not the planet is alive in some fashion. Yeah. And so that's where the fluid is, or that's where the air for fluid... Or, to be fair, it doesn't actually even technically have to be air. It could be any kind of gas. True. Now, to be fair, there is no odor associated with it or any adverse effects that we can see. So it does appear to be oxygen, but yeah, we don't actually know. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, uh, it does make me think that potentially the planet is alive and taking in air from one part of the planet... And then exhaling it, it someplace else, yeah. So expelling it, somehow. expelling it, uh, yeah, yeah, under the seas, under the the sea of spores. Um, we do only appear to have we are we are only shown four of the seas, with five of the spore types. No, we are only shown three of the seas. Right. With five of the spore types being shown to us. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Um, and then, and then, of course, the silver is um, what what makes the planet livable, or what makes the seas passable. Right. Uh, given that humans are mostly water. 
Which made me wonder whether or not the Aethers have something to do with Threnody. Hmm. Because both the Aethers, or the Aether spores die when they pass silver. Right. And I did do a little bit of digging into the wiki, and it does say that actually silver, and I don't know if this is shown in the Lost Metal or not, so I might need to go back and reread. Uh, but it does say the Aether Bounds abilities are restricted by silver. Their constructs and things will sure. die if, if silver or salt is brought into contact with them. So, mm-hmm. um, But we also do know that the, the shades on Threnody are also restricted by silver. Yeah. And we don't actually see silver come up in pretty much any of the other series. Yeah, which I'd like it to. I'd like to see the full array of what Silver can do. Right, because it does seem to be one of those investiture pervasive metals, much like aluminum, where right. aluminum is uh, investiture neutral mm-hmm. and has that effect on more than just Scadriel. But at the same time, I don't know how far he's actually going to take Silver, because we haven't really seen it come up in any fashion yet. Maybe maybe one of the next Secret Project books. I will say it's kind of weird to me, and I, I expressed this to you before, but I think it's still kind of weird to me that um, Silver has no allomantic or ferrochemical ability. But... It is what it is. Like, I'm not arguing with it, necessarily. It's just odd to me. Yeah, I... Maybe it's, uh... I mean, we. he said that he he wanted to make... He wanted to change up what's considered precious metal and that kind of thing. Right, which, which I get. But, but I like... think it, it may end up being a sort of, like, I shouldn't have done that right. kind of thing. Uh, where it would make more sense if you burned silver that it drained the other stores of stuff instead of aluminum. Right. And aluminum would be something that you just don't burn. Uh, or it could be you burn it and it stops allomantic processes in you. Right. Like, it returns you to a neutral state. Sure. So, actually, that'd be an interesting one. Which is, not only does it stop all allomantic abilities active within you, but it stops all allomantic abilities active on you. So if somebody is burning oh. one of the emotional metals, right. it would, because the aluminum line caps, like that, it would make right. perfect sense that if you burned aluminum, it would put you in a neutral state. All sure. allomantic abilities, it would also be an interesting uh, defense against um, ATM. Yeah. Because ATM would stop being able to read your future. Right. So, I think yeah. looking back, I, I mean, obviously, Brandon is working with what he's written so far, and he yeah. can't go back and just completely redo the series. Right. But, and he knows what he's doing, probably. Oh, yeah. So. But I think if I were to be given a chance to rework the Cosmere, I know, I know, um, I would probably do that with Scadrille. I would have Silver be the one that drains all allomantic reserves within a person when they burn it. Yeah. And then... Um, yeah, burning aluminum would put you at that neutral state. Sure. 
Um, however, uh, so we have the, the moons, we have the spores that they're dropping. Do we want to go over the spore abilities that we have seen thus far? Um, I mean, briefly. If they've okay. made it this far, they've probably read the book. Probably. So the verdant moon drops to the emer the green spores, and when those spores touch water, they grow a vine plant-like. A vine. Yeah, a vine. It's, uh, a vine. it's a vine. It's it's yeah. They or a series of vines, I should say. Right. Um. Yeah. Any touching of the verdant spores to water produces an explosive growth of vines. Yes. Which can be directed mentally somehow. If if you are, yeah, there. I. Hmm. I'll, I'll get into that later. Trust's abilities with the spores is something that I don't necessarily think is shared by everybody on the planet. Hmm. But anyway. Uh, then we have the Zephyr spores, which are blue. Yeah, they just release a burst of air. Yeah, they release a very, again, an explosive burst of air. Right. Uh, apparently that is what is used for cannon in place of gunpowder. Smart. In, yeah. Yeah. Um, we have the Crimson Spores, which, when hit by water, produce a growth of razor-sharp spikes. Mm -hmm. um, we have Rosite, yeah. which grows a crystal lattice of... Or not lattice, a crystal wall of Rosite, of pink, pink crystal. Right. Yeah, a pink crystal wall, which... Uh, can be used to patch up holes in the ships and things like that. Uh, and then we have the Midnight Spores, which form a bond with a person. With, with yeah, with a person who can give them water, right? And and that connection, and and that person can then direct the the being made by the Midnight Spores. Right. Um, yeah, a lot of questions there. Yeah, a lot of questions there. And a lot of questions about the sorceress's ability abilities. Um Yeah, which we're gonna remark on later because I still have a hypothesis about the awakened oh, soldiers yes. in that yes. that we, we need to deal with. Yeah. But Yeah, uh it's it's a really interesting magic system that works really well for the setting. Yeah, no, I think it works I think it works well. Yeah. Uh, it does make me wonder if we're going to get more lore on the Aethers, though. Because we have an Aether bound in the Lost Metal. Yeah, we are. And, I mean, he's... Well, I mean, like, yes, obviously, <laughs> but, like, a deep dive on the Aethers. Oh. Because I'm curious where they place, because something I was actually reading on the wiki, do you mind personal spoilers for you? Apparently, uh, and they may have actually said this in the Lost Metal, my... my Memories on that are hazy. I probably need to go back and re-listen. Um, apparently, the Aethers are considered by some to have existed alongside Adonaxium right. as, as one of the oldest beings in the universe. Right. And are not tied to Adonaxium for, for, 
investiture. Right, and power, so it makes me interested in where they sit within the universe. Yeah, same. And and I believe he said that we'll see their home planet. Um, and it makes me wonder how the ones on the moon moons got there and what drove them to be what they are. Because there was something that Hoyt said about the way that they work that was really interesting to me. Because he says, with even a little bit of a drop of metal, they pull investiture directly from the spiritual realm. Oh, yeah, with with a drop of water, yeah. Yeah, with a drop of water, for, for specifically the spores and things like that. Right. And that's really fascinating to me, because we've only seen one other person that is not a shard that is able to touch on the spiritual realm, and that is um, Dalinar. Right. With uh, honors and uh, perpendicularity. So I find that interesting, and I don't know if it's really profound, but I do find it interesting. Yeah. It sure is. Um, so, yeah, um, I think the sorceress is the source of most of the connections to other Cosmere books. Yes. Um, Although there are a couple. Well, let's let's before we touch on the sorceress, sure. let's touch on the other connections. Okay. So we have Ulam. You're right. Who is apparently a Chondra. You don't have to say apparently. Okay, yes, it is a Chondra, but I'm still bothered by the way he's presented. He's, uh, so given given the advanced state of time at this point. Right, because this is clearly far and away. This is at minimum. Era three, right? Mistborn. At at minimum, I at I would minimum. still put it pretty far past era three. I'd probably put it in era four. Probably between era three and era four for me. Uh, I mean, obviously, we don't know how far technologically advanced era right. four is going to get. But there is a almost personal spaceship. Well, there is almost a personal spaceship. There is the Nalthian tech that we run into. Right. The speaking board. Um, but the speaking board is something that I could see happening for Era 3. Personally. And, and I guess that's one of the things where I express my chagrin to you that we don't have a comparative development for the planets. Yeah. We don't know where... Like, like the only two that we really know is Mistborn and Roshar in relation to each other. Right. But where... And we get hints, obviously, because if you look at the ire in the secret history... Or Irie. For those Irie, of us who, sorry. Uh, those of us purists. Um, you obviously see that they have... A fortress of some sort set up in the cognitive realm. That's correct. With power cables reaching back to the Aeon Door. The Aeon Door, yeah. yes. Which, um, so like that makes me wonder. Okay, by the air, by the by the Mistborn Era One time, how far are the Elantrians in development of technology? 
How very, far are the Nultians? Like that Yeah, from what I what I think is that they're fairly advanced and then Scadriel is catching up to them like a locomotive, a runaway locomotive. Um and then that's when Autonomous like Right. <laughs> Fuck you, bitches. Yeah. Um, but like what I'm saying. Let's is... earn that explicit rating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what that means is that like it doesn't actually necessarily tell us where Tress and the Emerald Sea sits. Because if you look at the uh Scadrial, or not the Scadrial, the Elantrian tech shown off in that. Like, we don't know... We, we have one Elantris novel. Yeah. And we have a couple of short stories. Yes. All of which take place... Well before the Mistborn one. Yeah. And so the question is, you know, by, by Mistborn era one, how far is Elantris developmentally wise? Right. We don't know. We've never seen it, except for, like, hints like this. But again, that doesn't really tell us where in the timeline it sits, or where in relation to other planets yep. they're advanced or not. So Yeah. All I could all I can um throw out there is conjecture that uh Sazid continues to accidentally feed um technological advancements to groups of people on Skadriel. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I mean and the trading with Nalthus increases. And um, so the question is and so that brings up the Nalthian test because like the Nalthian thing, apparently it's... What's up? Um, I was trying to... Yes, that's what I thought. Okay. What? Um, you finish your thought. Okay. Like, the Nalthian thing has predictive text ability. Yes. Which seems to be something along the lines of predictive text for us here with text messaging, but far in advanced from so... what we have. Yeah, I know he he said Era 3 is going to be an 80s spy thriller. Right. Which I take at face value to mean that it is going to be set in on Skadriel as if it were the 1980s. Yes. Even though that the different the difference between Era 2 and Era 3 will be a lot shorter than 1860 to 1980, I would guess, just because of faster technological advancements. Right. So we take it at face value that it's 1980 then we can also say 30 years after 1980 was apple was starting to like do the predictive text thing right within a few yeah. years from that so i think on the timeline if you put era three and era four it would be like right next to era three because i think predictive text is a lot that is there and then personal spaceship travel is over here. So right, yeah. With the Nalthian, thi I think that. But would then be again, seen. we also have to take into account the investiture of, of uh, Elantris versus Scadriel, because the fact is, making a personal spacecraft work for an Elantrian, I think, would probably be a lot easier to pull off than it would be for somebody on Scadriel. True. Just because of the Elantrian's ability with the Aeon door and how that functions. You're right. So. Considering she, yeah. So, so the predictive text tablet I could see 
even happening in Arrow 3 as a kind of like, hey, technology has really advanced. Um, but the spaceship, I mean, it's a fairy tale, I know. But it seemed clear that it wasn't like, oh, no, I have nowhere to go when she was forced off the planet. She just left. Oh, yeah, no, and I know. so it, it definitely seemed like it's something fairly commonplace, which puts it solidly right next to Arrow 4. Right. And if not past it. Yeah, exactly. And, like, that's that was part of the premise of where I said it. But, again, it did bring up the question of planetary advancement yeah. in my mind because... Yeah, because there there's a lot of there's a lot of indication of because like okay take take Threnody like if we t- if we look at secrets for uh, silence in the forest or shadows, shadows for, for silence, silence in the forest of hell if we look at the state of the world at that time and then we look at the haunted man right where they have ghost guns ghost gun yeah um like that's a huge amount of difference. It is. In technological advancement. But I would even say the ghost guns do sort of sit more advanced than the gunpowder firearms of Scadriel at the time where the Haunted Man is there. So it makes me think that most planets are more advanced than Scadriel, technologically wise. What I'll toss out there is that necessity is the mother of invention. Right. And most of the technological advancements we've seen on non-scadrial planets have to do with the investiture itself, whereas the technological invest uh, technological advancements on scadrial are much more scientific. Oh, no, I will, de- so, I will definitely not disagree with you there. And the reason I toss that out is because... I need to believe that autonomy had a valid reason for doing what, what they did <laughs> in the Lost Metal. So. Okay, so here's here's the thing where I think the reason that Scadriel is is important comes in. Scientific advancements on Scadriel is not reliant on any kind of investiture. Right. It is reliant on electricity. Mm-hmm. It is Earth-based scientific advancement. You could have everything on Scadrial work the way that it works. You could eliminate investiture entirely, and everything that occurs on Scadrial would still work exactly the way it works. Right. In terms of technological advancement. Um and so I think that is maybe the danger, quote end quote, right. of Scadrial's advancement is not whether or not it's more advanced than other planets it's the fact that its advancement is not reliant on the inherent investiture of the planet yes um because if you look at say the nalthian predictive text board whatever i'm going to assume that's reliant on connection and breath in some form or fashion it is i mean like uh, i know you listen yeah, to he explicitly right. says that it's, it's, it's reliant on connection. awakened right uh Awakened circuit connection. Dang it, I texted you it. Yeah. The exact phrasing, though. 
There's a search function. Oh my god, you're right. It's been a long week. Time. Awakened prediction connection circuits. Right. With the awakened and connection being capitalized. Right, exactly. The so, so the fact is, is that since that is reliant on the investiture of breath and connection, if you took away that investiture, right, that stops functioning. Right. Um, and so the fact is, is that, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think that that is the danger with Skadriel. That is what autonomy was worried about, is the fact that you could set up an entire aluminum shell around Skadriel and their guns will still function. Their technology will still function. It, it doesn't give a damn about investiture. Indeed. And I think that's also maybe what Odium would, will be worried about, is the fact that they will have weapons that Odium's... It doesn't matter if you kill Harmony or not. Right. Those weapons will still work. Yeah. So you could completely splinter autonomy or uh, Harmony and the Skadrials... Skadrians? Sk- Do we have a term for people from Skadriel? I think they're Skadrians. Skadrians, okay. Skadrians will still be able to fight you and be rather impressive about it, whether or not you block their investiture. So I think that might be what Autonomy was worried about as well, is the fact that Skadrials' advancement is different than other planets' advancement because it is not inherently reliant on investiture or investiture use. Yes. Yep. Probably moving on. Yes. To um, the sorceress. The sorceress, who is an Elantrian. Who is an Elantrian. And I actually seen... pretty much guessed that from the very beginning when they talked about her cursing people. Oh, really? Well, okay, so there, there, this was my idea, which was I was like, okay, because I, I, the minute they talked about a sorceress, and the minute that Hoy kind of confirmed that the source was, was real, not just a rumor that people, because. I was like, right. okay, maybe it was just a rumor that people started. Maybe there isn't an actual sorceress. But once Hoyd confirms, yeah, there is a sorceress, she cursed him like he's there as a, as a cursed being. In my mind, I started flipping through all the different investitures we had seen thus far. I see. And I was like, it's either an Elantrian or it's a uh, very, very powerful uh, soul stamper. Oh, I see. Yeah. But both of it required the door. The like, door. I, I was... Yeah. Or, and so I said, it's either a door user, or it's an investor we have not yet encountered. I briefly thought it could have been a bondsmith. And I was like, but how would they have gotten their sprint off uh, Roshar? So, uh, because bondsmiths yeah. unchained... Uh, yeah, okay, I can see it. Yeah, no, that it, makes but, sense. But, I mean, the cursing aspect didn't quite make sense so um but we've seen Raina in Mistborn Secret History she was one of the five that was part of the plot to, to take preservation's power for oh that arm. makes sense okay it was and so when I saw the na- when well when I listened to Michael Kramer's beautiful voice right uh tell us the name I was like that sounds familiar <laughs> and now I just wikied it just to confirm because I didn't want to sound like a dumb Right. Let's earn that explicit rating. Um, we already have it. We have. Whatever. It's, I it's... mean, I put it on there. I have to right. click the button. No, no, I know, I but guess. I'm just saying that, like, 
We have the explicit tag already in there. If people are getting this podcast, they know what they're getting into. Probably. Um, and, but so she had breath. She had. Okay. So no, no, no. Yes. Let me, let me, let me pop in there really quick because I'm not entirely sure she has breath. Okay. And here's the reason why. Okay. Okay. So, so bear with me here. Bear with me really quick. Rawr. <laughs> so. Let's talk back to Lost Metal really quick. Okay. Uh, because this is important. I would assume so. So we see with... Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the names. Rai? Is that the soul stamper? Uh, Shy. Shy, thank you. And I have completely forgotten the Aetherbound's name from Lost Metal. I'm assuming you have as well. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Because uh, for names that aren't simple, if, if I don't read them, they don't stick. Fair. Uh, lost Metal Aether. Prasanva? Okay. Uh, whatever. Yes, Prasanfa. Okay. So, if you look at Prasanfa, and if you look at Shy, and if you look at... I don't remember if there's any other Aether, or any other... Shri. Shri Prasan. Pras. Pras. Short, shortened for Pras. Pras. Or we could call him Raj of the Coriander Court. Grand That's Aether, a thing, too. Grand Aetherbound of the Twelve Kingdoms. Okay. Twin Soul. We have Twin Soul's easy. Yeah, Twin Soul. Anyway, okay. regardless, if you look at Shy, and if you look at Cross, and if you look at... I don't remember if there's any other Investiture users in that group of the Ghost Bloods. Doesn't matter. What are they drawing on to, to power their abilities? The Aeondor. Yes. The, the okay. bottled Aeondor. So, my thing is, what if the Awakened Soldiers are not running on breath? What if they are in a similar function to the speaking board? What if they have the circuitry of an Awakened, like, object, but... They're actually running on the door hmm. that the Elantrian is able to draw upon because it's an Elantrian. My initial thought would be to use Occam's Razor and suggest that the sorceress boosted whatever breath she had for each one with the Aeon door. Possible. Possible. I will say the reason... Th there's a few reasons that I come to this conclusion. The first is the fact that we don't see any other breath use out of her, apart from ostensibly the Awakened Soldiers. And the rest of her ship obviously runs on the door. Mm -hmm. So... That was why I was thinking 
okay, maybe she's using the door to power these awakened soldiers because of the fact that she doesn't seem to use breath in any other scenario. And it would also make sense as to why she was able to power the soldiers Mm. rather than requiring a shit ton of breath to power metal metal beings. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. I think uh, it... If we if if I still used Occam's razor and hearkening to Brando Sando's talk about how if if you had the the code done upright, you could mimic any surge, any I mean she could just program them with Aeons. Right. And then they'd be awakened yeah. to you know, for all intents and purposes. Right. Yeah, so that's, that's way more plausible. You're right. Yeah, You're that, right. that's where I was running on. So I think I think she's just an Elantrian. Could be. There is, uh, I'll hold out a tiny little hope for a pet theory that, you know, given her long, long time of life. Right, yeah, which uh, is fair. And, and she yeah. could have, she could have gone to Nalthus and picked up some breath. Picked up some breath. Which... Um, I will say there's an interesting thing for me, which is the fact that they clearly have an issue getting investiture off of planets. Mm-hmm. That's why this friend can't leave. That's why the ghost bloods on Roshar were trying to find a way to get Stormlight mm-hmm. off of Roshar. But the door can clearly be removed. Perhaps because from its, its planet. Perhaps there, it's a it's the physical part of the the. Yeah, well, I'm thinking because the fact that uh, devotion and dominion were stuck into the. Okay, so. Oh, all right. Okay. Okay. Here's a connection I just made. Okay. Okay. So. Odium yeah. goes and kills Devotion and Dominion first. Okay. Sticks their bodies into the cognitive realm so that they cannot be reassembled. Right. Realizes he fucked up because now that investiture can be pulled from Elantris, or not Elantris, what's Cell. Uh, sure. And move to other planets, then giving other or giving world hoppers access to investiture that can be moved. Then, from that point forward, because for some reason he can't go back and undo his movement of the bodies into the cognitive realm, he just splinters the shards and then leaves them. Ah. Because he doesn't want to give that access to investiture to the people on planets. And he can't undo what he did with Devotion and Dominion, but he realizes his mistake. Right. Brandon Sanderson, we've, we're we helping you shoehorn a launchress into the Cosmere. I always have to help my favorite author. Anytime. <laughs> no, that makes, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because his whole thing is that he doesn't want to give people on planets 
the ability to fight him. Like, so yeah, it would make sense that he'd be like, Oh, I'm fucked up there when it comes to cell. And so from that point forward, he just shatters the, or splinters the, the shards and leaves them. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, what else did we see? Um, we do have a reference to Mistborn Era 2 because uh, Trust specifically says, unless you see Death himself with nails in his eyes. That's right. Which is clearly a reference to Marsh. Yeah. Which um, makes me think that this world was inhabited by Skadrians or, or just the fact that Skadriel is now on the Cosmere stage. Right. That mythology is just spread. And... Yes. Because, I mean, it's not, it's not so far-fetched to think that a Skadrian ended up on uh, Lumar. Yeah, and thought, so... Hell, you know, this is a nice place to live so long as you stay far enough away from the Spore Seas. Yeah. Fell in love with somebody and... But you know, clearly yeah. their their cultural mores and things came with them. So that's a more yes. Uh also reference to the Iriali. That's right. That was early in the book too. Yes, that was very early in the book. Yeah. And that's interesting because that's what initially made me think it sat before the Stormlight Archives. Mm-hmm. But clearly, no. Thank you, Wolfie. Um, clearly, it does not sit before the Stormlight Archives. But clearly, the Iriali were there at some point and left. They could be... So, there. I mean, there's obviously a lot of hypotheses we could just... Um, what... I think is a strong option would be that the Iriali end up acting like a sort of uh, seed starter uh, for planets. Oh, okay. Where they, they could be an incredibly old race and they world hop the, regularly. Are the Iriali originally from Ashen? I don't know. Huh. Because me, I hmm. believe the first time we we are just told about them is Stormlight, right? And then we get the reference in Lost Metal to the one person that has golden hair and right. skin or something or other uh, over in that other part of the the city, um, and then the Ariali off of Lumar. Now, now the interesting thing about the Ariali off of Lumar, and I don't know if it gives any kind of time frame for this. But they do say, oh, the Ariali were here, and then they vanished. I think they said 300-something years. Okay, so it wasn't long enough ago to make it... Well? So what it... Well, no, no, that wouldn't... No, that wouldn't work. Never mind. Never mind. Ignore me. Okay. Ignore me. I was... I was... And for the rest of the podcast, I will be continuously talking. Uh, you may hear somebody else talk in the background, but he's implored me to ignore him. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I don't need that sass. 
Uh, I was I was thinking that maybe the Iriali had vanished off of Lumar and ended up on Roshar. But if it was only 300 years previous to when the story takes place, that timeline doesn't match up. Unless it does, and it's just very, very far in the future. No, I was going to oh. say the Iriali off of Lumar were this... Were, oh. They disappeared from Lumar and ended up on Roshar. Oh, I see. My bad. And then... And then that's what they're referring to with the Ariali on Lumar, but that timeline doesn't match up. No. So. Unless it does and we have a bunch of stuff wrong. I mean, it's possible. Again, it goes back to that whole thing of how advanced are the planets? Because, like, is the sorceress only showing off the tech that she has because Elantris is far and ahead advanced past the other planets. Right. You know, is is Nalthian tech so far advanced beyond Skadriel, it just still relies on breath and you know, we're assuming that it's super far in the future, but it's actually not, because most planets are just more advanced than Roshar or Skadriel is. These questions will haunt my nightmares. So, until we get a caught, maybe the next time he does an AMA, yeah, I can pose a question of like, hey, at um, least with the Elantrian specifically, like, yeah, uh, is a lot of this Elantrian tech we're seeing like reliant on the stories being far in the future, or is this just stuff the Elantrians have access to that the rest of the Cosmere doesn't yet? Let's see. Yeah. And I don't think that the 17th Shard has done any, uh, Nah, it's all. Hmm. So, as I said, maybe next time Brandon does an AMA, I'll pose that question to him because I'd have to massively revise my timeline in my head. If it mm-hmm. turns out the Elantrians have space travel long before the rest of the Cosmere gets it. Unlikely, unless he goes back on some words of Brandon, which is fine for him to do. Um, because, like, there's a reason that I put Six of the Dusk where I do. Right. In the timeline. But if it turns out the Elantrians have space travel, and we're just being dicks, and wanted access to the birds... Um, Very possible. Then it put, might put Six of the Dusk far earlier in the timeline than originally assumed. That's true. Because the Elantrians so far we've seen, apart from a very few express ones in Elantris, the novel, kind of are ending up being dicks. Immortality. Yeah. Nor near near immortality can do that to a person. It's fair, it's fair. I'm not even I'm not even against it necessarily. I'm just saying that we're kinda of like seeing that they're more of an antagonistic group than a beneficial Yeah. 
um, because it's kind of like the Ghost Bloods, honestly. We first encountered the Ghost Bloods as a very antagonistic group in Roshar. We get a bit different presentation of them in The Lost Metal, mm-hmm. uh, which, honestly, I really enjoy. Um, because I think that it is a brilliant representation of the fact that perspective can change your viewpoint of a group or person. That's right. And I kind of want to employ it in a future tabletop RPG game if I'm going heavily political Mm. that groups may work with or against you in certain contexts. Actually, going off on a bit of a tangent here. When do we not? Uh, we always do. So I had a Zelda tabletop RPG planned, sure. and I still do. Uh, I still want to run it, because I was running it partly, and then it kind of fell apart due to scheduling or whatever. So email us at Guide to the Cosmere if you'd like to be part of the game <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, uh Anyway, regardless, one of the things that I was going to have is later on in the game, if everything had developed the way that I wanted it to, uh, the players were actually going to end up working or having the... um, uh, Shit, what's their name? The... The the people from Breath Breath of the Wild? the, the, The antagonistic clan? Yeah, the antagonistic clan. The... Not the Sheikah. The opposite. Yeah. The Unshika. The Unshika. Unshika. Uh, They've got the red and the bananas and the yeah. swords that go slicey slice. Thank you, Darwin, for your input. Yiga. Ah. I was going to have the Yiga work alongside the players because there's a threat that comes from outside of Hyrule. Oh, interesting. That is trying to take over the planet, effectively, and the Yiga are kind of like, no, this world belongs to Ganondorf. So, even though... But then it turns out that the <laughs> the thing trying to take over the world from outside the world is Ganondorf? No. Galactusdorf? <laughs> Galactusdorf. And the silver... <laughs> this... The silver Hyrulean comes in on his silver Hyrulean shield. (laughs) Okay. This has quickly gone off the rails. Even more so than original. But what I was saying is the fact that, like, yes, the Yiga clan are bad within the context of Breath of the Wild, but they would be allies in that one specific sense because they don't want these beings to take over the planet any more than... Yes. The players do, so. But anyway, uh, I think that Brandon does a wonderful representation of the fact that these groups are working with their own goals mm-hmm. in mind, and sometimes that makes them help the main character of a book and sometimes that makes them antagonists and that's just going to be the way it is because they are working within their own goals and that may be for or against the people of a specific planet yeah so i think that that's a wonderful way to do it and 
what else is there with Trust of the Emerald Sea? Um, the hardbacks, they haven't put out any note, but they did say they would expect to start shipping in the middle of January. Okay. And then they've got like 160-something thousand backers to send them to, so... Lord. But, um, and we haven't really talked about this, and I guess... Had I thought about it, we would have put it before the spoilers, but um, they wanted to start the, the themed boxes off with a Cosmere one instead of Cytoverse. Oh, okay. Uh, so we're getting the Hoid box first. Oh, all right. Yep. Okay. Uh, and they said that they've already got that ready to ship, so as soon as the books finish, cool. we're going to ship that. So hoping mid-February for that, too. I will say that uh, on the on the series of connections, we do apparently have a Chondra, which does not function the way that the Chondra we have encountered thus far work. Yep. And that's interesting. And and also the reason why I thought it was not a Chondra originally. Right. Um, it says that Sazed, or Hoyt says that Sazed released them. Uh, right, and... which... Okay, so... Okay, so... Dia. There are some... Quesadilla? Oh, yeah, okay. There are some interesting premise, premises there. Yes. Because here's the thing. As of Lost Metal Era 2, the Condor are not released. Right. They are still under Harmony's control. Hoyt specifically says Sazed. Not Harmony. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know if that matters. I mean... Because Hoy does refer to Odium as Odium. He doesn't refer to Odium as Mraes. Not Mraes, Rays. Or Rays, sorry. Yeah, not Mraes. Damn you, Sanderson, for using similar hum- homophonic... Words and names. Yeah. Um, Just kidding. We love you. Um, you give us purpose. <laughs> we give the podcast purpose at least. For our three listeners. Just kidding. There's more than that. Um, Quite a bit more, apparently. Just because they listened once. Does that make them listeners? True. Fair, fair. Um, and if they're listeners, does that make Though, to be fair, if we have gotten 400 listens across all of the episodes we have so far, we have to have at least a few repeat listeners. That's true. It's mostly me with a bunch of different phones. <laughs> you just... I open up your other... It's interesting. <laughs> I open up your other guest room, and, and I just, just see phones stacked and, up. And it's interesting, because what happens is that we... We naturally have this uh, cadence of where our tangents are spaced such that we can actually start the podcast at different times, and it ends up being a canon of tangents. Ah. Um, like like Pachelbel, but worse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay, so, but, uh, Dia, but... Wouldn't read too much into it, honestly. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing to look at because, as I said, he does. Hoyd, when referring to shards, typically refers to the shards by 
the shards, not by the host's name. Right. But it does specifically say Sazed in that one. Now, whether or not that's because it's in his it's his internal thoughts. Oh, that's true. Versus what he's speaking, that might be a part of it. Two, it is one of the reasons why I think that it comes post-Era 2, because of the fact that, as of Era 2, the Chondra are not released. Now, here's right. an interesting thing, though. Well, uh, I do believe it is probably a Chondra, because... And the reason I say probably is that we are not ever heard to them referred as Chondra, explicit, ex libris, from the book. We do not have the explicit word Chondra used. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that it's not a Chondra. That's right. But what I'm saying is that there is the potential that it could be referring to a different scenario in Era 3 or 4 of a creature that is found, that is Skadrial-based, that is not a Chondra, but works similarly. I'll give you that. As a valid hypothesis. I'm not saying it's likely. And then I'm going to look in my pocket and pull out Occam's razor (laughs) and slice it to smithereen. No, um, it's not likely. I'll grant you that that is possible. I, well, it's just the fact of like, like I said, the fact is, is that it works so much different than a chondra because it's not that much different. Well, he asked for specific body parts, not bones. That's true. Plus, he apparently had to sew the ear on or function, attach it in some other fashion, not just grow the ear that's on his arm. I think, and like I, like we talked about before, but I'll repeat for our listeners, uh, I think it could be that the salt, the amount of salt, right, um, or a, or a, Okay, but no, 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 no. Here's the thing that I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna actually I I thought about it later and I have to mix the the salt idea. Okay, because here's the thing: the salt is specifically high on Tress's original home island, high enough that it kills the spores that try to land there. Okay, spores are fine in the rest of the sea. Sure, there is no salt there unless he has chosen to decrease the amount of liquid in his body possible regardless of salt it's possible possible. i'm not going to lie yes it's possible but it's just one of those things where it works differently enough from a chondra plus don't they make some sort of reference to the fact that his species is is explicitly what gave rise to the myth of zombies I don't remember that exactly. I know they mentioned zombie and that he doesn't have a heartbeat. Right. The the two syllable name with the double A's. Yeah, I'm I'm not saying that it yeah. doesn't make sense. I'm just saying that there's enough of a difference there that it makes me question. And that's fine. Uh or or I would like some explanation from Brando Sando on sure. why Ulam is functioning the way that they do. Yeah. 
Give me one second. Yeah, no problem. Apparently, Ulam is mentioned in Chapter 12 of The Lost Metal. Really? As whom? Uh, I, when Wayne and Milan are talking. Oh. It just right. says, Ulam, mentioned only. Huh. Okay. Apparently, his... According to the wiki, right. he does not attempt to mimic humans or other animals, resulting in a unique personality even among his kind. Okay. Yeah. Um, although he, I mean, he did imitate the two-headed snake. Um, apparently, yeah. Apparently. Right. Uh, yeah. So there's there's that. Okay. So it is a chondra. It's just a unique chondra. And and I imagine what happened is he wrote Tress of the Emerald Sea and he threw Ulam in, um, and then tweaked. The lost metal to include a mention, right? So because he finally settled on wanting Ulam to be a Chandra, so something like that, yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I feel a little vindicated in that function then because he did originally write Ulam as not a Chandra. If we go with that, yeah, yeah, and then retroactively, and I feel a little more vindicated in that because it is so much different than a Chandra typically functions. Typically functions, yeah, but. He makes weird characters. So. No, I know. And, you know, I mean, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, you had Tensoon, which preferred being a dog, so... Right. Um, I think that's pretty much everything in Tress of the Emerald Sea. Yeah. At least that was... In, I mean, we got the first real usage of the word dragonsteel. This is true. This is, is true. Apparently... Oh, and we encounter our first dragon. Like, in, in the form of a dragon. In the form of a dragon. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. So. Zysis. Yeah, Zysis, which is, uh, resides, apparently not affected by the spores. I believe he can um, just force them back with yes. magic. So, uh, I'm interested if if Hoyd's backstory books are called Dragonsteel. Part of me thinks that Dragonsteel has something to do with being able to kill Analnalsium. Quite possibly. Which is really possible, oh, given yeah. that it's some sort of special mag uh, metal that is part dragon. Yes. The dragons create. So. Well, and it's interesting on that front, which is the fact that like, if the Aether did exist alongside Analnalsium... Uh, then it's possible that other beings existed alongside Adonalsium without being tied to right. him for their creation. Right. So, which makes me wonder, what if Adonalsium was just, like, a super powerful Elantrian-type being? Hmm. Like, not, like, yes, a god, but not... You know, not a god in the way that, like, the entire existence of Cosmere relies on him. Yeah. I'll be interested to see. Because, like, the existence of the Aethers is interesting. Because so far, we've... Because they talk about something about the Aethers being, 
like representations of primal forces, mm-hmm. which makes sense when you look at, say, the Verdant and even the Zephyr. Mm-hmm. Breaks down a little bit when you look at Roseite and Crimson. My brain is too fuzzy to think. Okay. Too much about that. Yes, for the Crimson, I feel like I could make a good argument after a good cup of coffee and a night's sleep for the Roseite. Yes, if it were just the Roseite, I'd be like, okay, that represents minerals or something like that. Yeah. But with the Crimson added in... um, Uh... Maybe not necessarily minerals, but some sort of like organized, um, or or yeah, organized growth via some sort of matrix. Like I don't, Possibly, I don't know. Yeah. I'm yeah. probably not getting that across. But like, there's the vine, which is growth in a of a natural thing, and then right growth of crystal or a natural order to inorganic. Composition. Composition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, the crimson comes in and there's these spikes of crystal or glass or something. Spikes of spiky boys? Yeah, spikes of red. Um, And I'm just, just kind of red. like, okay, what primal force does that represent? Because Taylor like... Swift album. <laughs> which was one of her most popular, but not the most popular, so. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, obviously oh, the influence. However, after we finish this, there's a video I want to show you. Okay. Uh, sorry, not not important, but it just reminded me. You mentioned Taylor Swift reminded me. Okay. Of it. Um, I think that's it for Trust of the Emerald Sea. Yeah. A good book. Really good book. I enjoyed the things that it explored. Yeah. I liked the con the the wrap up of the story. And. Um. In all honesty, if if I met somebody who was like, oh, I really like fantasy books that are very whimsical, but I've never read any of the Cosmere, I'd be like, well, if you don't care about understanding every little thing said, which is personally how I read things, because I assume either one, they're going to be talked about later, or it just doesn't matter. Right. Um, something like that, I may just recommend it to them and be like, hey, yeah. This is fun. Yeah. I think if somebody's looking for something lighthearted, I would definitely recommend it. I think it does a good enough ex- job of explaining the things from Tress's point of view who have never encountered these things before mm-hmm. that people wouldn't be too lost, even if they don't understand all the yeah. references being bandied about. The story is still solid whipper yes. without references to. You could cut out all the references to everything else. And it would and still function. You'd lose a little bit of heart here and there from characters, but mainly the mom. But it would still function perfectly fine. Yes. It would deal in the sorceress a different way. The magic would just be something else. Yeah, the magic would just be magic. Right. Which is effectively how Elantrian magic works anyway. That's how true. It, Elantrian investiture works it anyway. It does feel the most matched with the magic. Probably because it was written before the Cosmere was really under formation saved by the grace that it's really just a programming language yes <laughs> when there's screen adaptations uh some some true computer science brando sando nerd will take the the aeons that they use for the 
the screen adaptation and then build it into an actual programming language. Of course, of course. Um, yes. No, no, no. Here's what I want, though. An Elantrian movie, right? Okay. At least one person has to say, I'm in. As a hacker. <laughs> That's what I want. I want an Elantrian cyber thriller. And then, and then, <laughs> they, and then, um, the Cosmere becomes big enough, uh, as, as a screen adaptation and kind of like pervasive Marvel thing, um, that we actually do get Sunni pups. And then we'll also get, um, a little, uh, we, we bought my, uh, my niece, uh, a little code with a unicorn thing. Okay. So you'll code with an Aeon. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, okay. So, uh, Never mind. That that's a tangent, but it. I want there to be TV shows, not movies. I know, I know you do. Because they're so big. The novels are so fucking big. Like, would you rather have twenty four movies? Or I'm just kidding. I'm just no, no, no. We don't need to go down. No, uh, I think that's I think that's it for the episode. Yeah, that is it for the episode. That's that's it for Trust of the Emerald Sea. I enjoyed yes. it. If you love Brandon Sanderson, read it, definitely. Like, even if you weren't able to get it through the Kickstarter or whatever. Right, it'll come out in, uh, well, if <laughs> if you're waiting for it to come out, don't, don't have listened to this episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, but... Um, uh, we'll put it in the thing that it comes out in uh, April for the non-backers. Yes, um, but very well worth the read. Enjoyed it immensely. Definitely gave me something to look forward to listening to when I was at work. Yes. On New Year's Day. And I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Uh, don't panic, world hoppers. I'm wearing a shirt that says life before death. Yes, you are. Um, and then something about strength before weakness is the second part of that phrase. And puppies before destination. Puppies before destination, or is it journey before puppies? We'll you're right. The... It'd be journey for no. You'd, you're right. It would be journeys before puppies. We'll let the listener decide. <laughs> there you go. The music you hear is part three, The Spirit, from Zavadilla's The Music of Elantris, produced by B-Roll Records. Available now on Apple Music, Spotify, and most music providers. If you like what you hear and you want others to hear it as well, please leave a rate and review. It really helps us get more listeners.